Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. Hi everyone, I'm Emily and I'm absolutely fine, but I have forgotten how to leave places, particularly parties. I went out for a really lovely dinner at someone's house on Saturday night. It was absolutely, I was having such a lovely time, but I get a bit hysterical around 10.15. I think, oh my God, oh my God, I need to plan my departure. I need to exit. And it's hard. You can't just like walk out. It's not like there's like loads of people and you can just sort of slip away. And I got so hysterical about it in my head whilst listening to people that I literally stood up in the middle of their kitchen and went, I'm leaving! <laughs> like, uh, like, like... Like a sort of angry maniac. <laughs> And it left me with nowhere to go. Also, everybody else is like, well, go then. Like, you know, um, anyway, it was actually... Or kind of, yes, a kind of narcissist. Yes. <laughs> I am leaving. Exactly. Like, this is so important. Yes, that consider I'm this going. party over. That's also true. And I was like, oh, my God. And I, I actually think I said, but don't mind me having basically shouted their house down. The conversation <laughs> stopper, isn't it? Oh, my God, it was so awful. Do you remember when you used to work in an office and you'd get there at nine and you'd be absolutely desperate for it to be six and it would be a Friday and then it would get to about 5.45 and you'd be so sort of deranged and exhausted. We used to call it losing the will to leave. Yes. We'd sit there till seven just we sort would. of sitting there. Whatever. I remember that you were so desperate to leave where we were that you used to wear a coat the whole time. Yeah, I never And in fact, off. you do that at parties where you just walk around with your coat on all the time. Yes, I leave off. by never arriving. Yes, exactly. You're like, fuck, I'm not even going to bother arriving. I'm just going to leave. It's but true. it's hard with a dinner party. It's like, how do you... You don't want to interrupt the conversation. Turns out standing in the middle of the kitchen isn't a very good idea and shouting isn't a good idea. Anyway. <laughs> but you can anyway. you can lose several years of your life trying to leave parties. Or yeah. it tends to be in a couple, one person is terribly good at leaving and doesn't say goodbye to anyone and the other person spends at least 17 months saying goodbye to every single person and then yes. we all lose the world that's our guest well, speaking from obviously bitter experience but also bitter. and then and then that makes the person who's sort of got up and really efficiently said goodbye and is standing in the middle of the kitchen look, look like an like asshole <laughs> Yes, incredibly exactly. violent, rude. <laughs> like, because you can't say goodbye to people again, and you don't want to start up a conversation, so you're basically mute by the door, like, sort of the ghost of Christmas past. It's actually fucking terrible. Did you ever watch that um, episode of Seinfeld where George realised that the best time to leave a party was kind of on a high? So <laughs> he would have to leave every situation when kind of somebody laughed at his joke or kind of looked, <laughs> looked like he said the most fascinating thing. But he's completely right, and I, I follow that principle. Leave on a high, which I yes. say that I follow that principle. I absolutely don't, actually. <laughs> Leave them with a good taste in their mouths. <laughs> Leave them wanting normally more. I go, normally I go home with a DJ, whilst, you know, <laughs> and, the, and the empties. <laughs> anyway, Annabelle, sorry, we've got completely sidetracked. This is obviously a touch point in our lives now, how to get out of things. <laughs> Annabelle, how are you? Hi, I'm Annabelle, and I'm absolutely fine, but my descent into sort of deranged decrepitude continues. Um, and there was a day, um, a few days ago, when I felt, you know, really, really deranged, really, really exhausted and incredibly hungry and also quite sort of stoned on painkillers for my interminable slip disc battle. And so I found a window in the middle of the day and I came home and I got myself a bowl of crisps. I don't eat crisps. But I, for some reason, it was you a bowl of crisps. crisps. No, I don't but I like the way you say crisps. You say every letter in that word. <laughs> well, it's unfamiliar to me, you see. It's a foreign language. Give me a wheel of brie and some sourdough, and I'm in all manner of trouble. But a bowl of crisps? 
Um, and I, 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 I took the crisps up to my bedroom and then I put on an eye mask and then I lay back on my bed and I ate the crisps with the eye mask on. And it sounds like a kind of immersive theatre experience. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. This is what will happen to your sort of sensory overload if you eat crisps with yes, one of your I'm, I'm literally t- off to suddenly the National Theatre, which sounds not deserved to this. <laughs> incredibly, <laughs> incredibly maybe, unsexy eyes wide shut. Maybe we can charge for people to come into the room and wear eye masks and watch you eat crisps or something. It'll be it'll be quite sweet because at the end you'll take your eye mask off and the, the whole of your front will be covered in kind of bits and bobs. Exactly what happened. Passed out halfway through the crisp eating and woke up and then and then just removed my eye mask and continued to nibble on the crumbs. Well, it's so funny. Normally you're much more Cleopatra about this situation. You like peaches in the bath and yeah. things like that. Crisps on the bed uh, with an eye mask is a descent into decrepitude. I know, it, it is. It's all going to, to hell. It's all going to hell. Like this podcast, by the way. No, this podcast is about to get better. It's about to get a lot better. We promise. So we were talking earlier, weren't we, Emma? We were saying that, you know, we used to get on planes as though they were buses. But these days, that feels a, a, a bit more complicated. It feels a bit more expensive and it feels a bit more wrong. So what do you do if you long for adventure? You pine for discovery, but you feel grounded and not in the good way. Well... Today, we are so happy to have our friend Melinda Stevens on the podcast um, because she is about as expert as travel experts get. She edited Condé Nast Traveller UK and US for years, and she's just launched Loop, a new initiative entirely designed to give us a new way to look at the UK. Perhaps there really is a whole new world on our doorstep. Secret spaces, new openings, rich regions, hotels, shops, villages. Whatever is happening on this sceptered aisle, she's in the loop. Incidentally, if you want to sign up to their newsletter or follow them on Instagram, which you definitely should, it is spelled L-O-U-P-E. Melinda, how are you? I'm absolutely fine, but... Uh, it's funny that you girls are saying that you're trying to get out of things. I've got a new resolution where I'm trying to say yes to things, having said no to things for roughly 30 years. <laughs> it's come at an inopportune moment when my I, I, I went to a party the other day and I was trying to kind of channel Faye Dunaway. So I wore a black tie dress, but with a woolen beret on my head <laughs> and it's unfeasible and therefore what's happened is that my forehead has got this kind of wild rash upon it um so me and my wild rash are, are, are parting our way around town no nice. it's amazing just when we think we should all be sort of elegant and be able to handle these situations you know with enormous sort of elan and, and smoothly we're all getting it consistently fucking wrong yeah. aren't we yes. yes i know who woke up and went i think a beret is what i need right now i'm sure yes. i'm sure you looked amazing a thick woolen beret but also <laughs> it, it but also concurrently i kind of care less yes um which is extremely liberating i mean sometimes it's um the mix and match is quite con- confounding and flabbergasting but but i do care less yes but, i found myself saying yeah. the other day you know i was going to something and i was I, you know i knew i should it was it was the sort of thing that required planning and i couldn't find the energy to plan and i was asking myself why don't i care more is it wrong that i don't care more is it emily I mean, is it? Is it? Is it? <laughs> Should we Sorry care more? The... Should we care more? I just can't care more. No. I mean, it's actually like an ailment. I think you have to realise that if you're not prepared to care, you're also prepared to say on the night, effectively, je ne regret rien. But, like, yeah. you know, this doesn't yes. work. If the woolen beret has given me a wild rash, I bring it on myself, so be it. Um, one of my ha- happiest sartorial moments, actually, recently around not caring less is 
I summoned a little group to go and volunteer at City Harvest, which is just across the road from me in Acton. And we all got given high-vis jackets. I mean, I can't tell you how exciting that was. <laughs> so we all moved around in a clump and thinking of as many errands as we could possibly do that would allow us to go to, to leave the warehouse <laughs> and to, to move about town in general because we felt extremely proud of ourselves. That oh, my God. Yes, there's, not, there's nothing like a high-vis. That wouldn't be at all good for leaving, would it, Emily? My... Trying to slip out unnoticed in your high-vis. <laughs> my uncle once told me when he worked, he worked in Harrods like 100 years ago, and uh, not quite 100 years ago, obviously, but that people would just regularly walk in with either high-vis jackets or those dust coats. You know, the ones they wore, not in Are You Being Served. What was that, ro- the two Ronnies? Oh, like shop- of... oh four candles. Yes, shopkeepers. Yes. Shopkeepers, Gone. sort of whatever. And they used to just go yes. those, those coats and they just walk into like Harrods and then just pick up a television and just walk out again yes. and nobody would question them but I feel that with your high visit suddenly gives you access to just sort of a kind of invisibility that must be really great and but also but a I think it's yes a glass from it comes in very handy I had a friend who stole some high vis jackets and then went around um arresting people and taking all their drugs <laughs> <laughs> you think that we are you know prepared now to focus on not getting on a plane when before the aim always was to just get on the plane whenever we possibly yes. could because i think we associated adventure and exoticism with uh, you know something far away something on the other side of the world i mean i was definitely you know and i still love that it's not that i don't but the point is, I think times have changed in the sense that almost COVID made it happen naturally or unnaturally naturally in the sense that we were suddenly looking at what we had under our noses in a new way and yeah. giving value to different things. And listen, you know, here's the thing, like I am I'm so perfectly ignorant about the UK in so many ways. It's like I only know tiny little patches of it. But once you start and once you start realizing what's out there and once you start exploring um it's extraordinary but this is not it's not just unique to us here in the uk i think everyone felt that during covid suddenly the greeks were looking at greece in a new way and the french were looking at france in a new way it's just we have quite a bad image of ourselves that i'm really conscious of at loop like if you think of the uk yeah you think the way bad we food, present bad ourselves tea bad food, bad teeth, and we're slightly stuck in terms of an image, we're slightly stuck in that kind of young couple wearing barbers and a Labrador on a lead in a kind of muddy field somewhere. And that felt very mid-80s and not particularly representative of all the amazing people doing amazing things here. So it was about that, scratching the surface and, and finding out more. This is an advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Now, you guys know that we're not shy about getting things off our chest. The tiny inconveniences that can ruin our days to the big, overwhelming worries that can flood our nights. Trouble is, we all got into the habit of saying, I'm absolutely fine. Emily and I added the but specifically to get off autopilot and give ourselves the space to say what we were really experiencing. But we weren't always so free with our inner furies. A few years ago, I began experiencing debilitating panic attacks because I felt I couldn't tell anyone all the things that I was feeling, that I was not coping, that I felt like a failure. I was so ashamed, so I kept it all bottled inside. And of course, it started leaking out. It was only when I found a therapist and began sharing those doubts and insecurities with her that the panic began to dissipate. Because therapy can be a safe space to get things off your chest. 
and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a registered therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. With over a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise. And our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash midult. That's better H-E-L-P dot com slash midult. Better help, because sometimes the best thing to do is acknowledge that we are not, in fact, absolutely fine. And do you think that people in the UK have been taking, you know, more initiative to, you know, do new things and new enterprises and yes. new hotels and that the UK has actually come on and we just haven't seen it happening? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's the point. I think there are lots of of people doing amazing things, whether they're chefs or whether they're young couples opening little, you know, kind of restaurant with rooms or whether they're vineyard growers or whether there are people who, you know, kind of shepherd's huts. There's so much going on, but the network isn't really aware of itself. It's not really aware of others. And I think that's how I like to think of Loop. It's like, it's almost like a kind of cobweb that has this kind of amazing matrix, but it's just that no one can see it yet. So it's about raising that that cobweb up so that suddenly you're... And it's not just about places to stay. It's like I went to this amazing lady called Emily Van Opel. She just opened a um, a restaurant in Hampshire called Malvalies. And they've got this lovely ex-Jamie Oliver chef called Hugo Harrison. And they basically support local suppliers, cook everything seasonally from the lands, and the food is like really simple, but utterly kind of full of flair and delicious. And then, of course, there's a shop where I went batshit crazy buying more delicious, you know, fresh milk with proper cream in the top and butter and yogurts and, you know, rhubarb. And uh, I, there, there are so many people doing wonderful things like that. So I think uh, Loop is about just showing everyone else each other's work. And, you know, and the case in point is that, which is, I suppose, I mean, this is a worthy way to look at it, but but no less true or joyous, is the more we give to, you know, the UK, the more it's going to give to us, as these people yes. are able to support local artisans or farmers. or that. I mean, recently, on I don't know if it was on Loop's Instagram or your brilliant newsletter, which I think only started, only launched last week, there were two places that I never thought to go to, and I would very much like to go to, and they are Hereford, I thought, oh, shopping. And Sheffield. <laughs> yes, exactly that. Because I think, again, in the same way you've got the, you know, the funny couple and the barbers, you've also got travel just got so sentimental and it got so cliched. And I think a big part of Loop is trying to evolve that. Like I, I keep saying to the team, like, it's, I just really don't want travel writers you know, writing about travel. I want local people telling their stories. And also I don't want us to shy away from what I call the kind of the dusty corners or the kind of industrial heartland or the manufacturing hubs because it's it's, it's boring that we're all kind of like, as much as I say, let's be in the loop, it's all, it's on a wider sense, it's about being out of the loop because everybody, and we knew this from Traveller, is on the same flipping circuit. Like wherever you go, we're all going to the kind of, you know, Bali's looking like Berlin and uh, and everyone has the concrete floors and everyone has the pot plants and everyone's making, you know, the same freaking breakfast and taking the same picture. And I, if the point about travel 
And there is a problem with discoverability at the moment in travel because we're so over-touristed, is you want to find the stuff that, that's surprising and unpredictable. And that's why we, I, I want really brightly lit restaurants that just, you know, second generation, whatever it is, you make the most delicious power buns. It doesn't all have to be Insta pretty. Not every, you know, person behind the bar needs to be sensationally attractive. You could have some completely vile proprietor, who, <laughs> you know, who happens to make the most beautiful pie or the most beautiful furniture or, uh, but let's not shy away from our kind of, from our industrial backbones and our motorways and our and our realities because it's those bits that that make us and, and here's the thing like loop is starting in the uk but next up you know what our plan is to go international it's just it's just doing things with more depth and more thought you know rather than that kind of more superficial gallivanting around and i feel that as well the way that we've been sort of sold holidays have has been you know, slightly sort of problematic in the sense that, you know, there's sort of the dream aspirational spaces that you should be sort of aiming for, which are so expensive and 99% mm. of people can't go to them. And so therefore everything feels like a sort of, like a sort of second best. And the idea that you can sort of tailor your your travel and have make your own kind of itinerary that isn't dependent on kind of huge hotel chains or sort of or masses yes. of luxury is really exciting because most people can't travel like that also the pressure that you feel if you manage to save up and do your sort of once in a lifetime and you realize that every orange juice that you're having is costing you you know like a yes. week's wages it's a hell of a buzzkill i think and also i think again we've slightly been kind of sold that story haven't we that and listen, I love I love sunshine as much as the next person. But for example, there's this there's this amazing shop in um, in Leith that's just opened or opened relatively recently called Bard, and they just uh, they sell a lot of stuff that's kind of made and created from from Scotland. And they do this wonderful thing on their Instagram where they just they embrace weather. So they just keep on showing endless reels of Scotland in a deluge. <laughs> but I remember having this own this own cliche to myself. I remember going to one of my most favourite places on the on the planet, which is in Connemara, and and I remember saying to the God, can you imagine what this what this beach would look like? I mean, it was Maldivian white sand, and the the the, the water was perfectly turquoise. And I went, you know, imagine this in the sunshine, and and the, you know, the girl whose house it was said to me, well. You don't have to you imagine this weather. This weather is what's yeah. interesting. And I went, ooh, and I, then I felt so uncultured and so unsophisticated. So, yes, the Maldives is wonderful for so many reasons. But I think we do need to channel a different way of what gives us real pleasure. And a lot of that is about um, things that we hadn't really necessarily expected before. Like, for, for example, I'm not a walker. I mean, I'm so lazy. It's a joke. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I used to be like pushed around in a pram until I was about 13 because, <laughs> in the hopes that it would humiliate me, but it didn't at all. It was absolutely the best way to travel. Um, but for whatever reason, I've suddenly started walking. And there were just, you know, I did the, from the inception of the river test, you know, out to the sea uh, about a year ago. And I did it by myself with a dog and a kind of, and a sweet little map that said, and now, you know, turn left at the beach trees. And turn, I mean, I just, it was such an adventure. I, I just nearly died. And then, you know, there were so many people walking around doing it. And I, I'm going on a kind of martyrs and prostitutes walk this week with this amazing guy I know called Guy Hayward but then they're all kind of like super cool people like the pedestrianists who do like 
their Insta, sorry, I can't stop talking about Insta, having said that we, we shouldn't be Insta-friendly. <laughs> or It's only part of the story. They're called the Pedestrianists, and they do kind of anti-tours at night around London. And, um, oh, I don't know. There's just, there's, just, there's just people exploring in different ways. It gives a different kind of pleasure. But I think what's interesting is something you said earlier about, you know, you felt uncultured and unsophisticated for wanting sunshine. I think we've been held hostage to the idea of sophistication, and yes, the idea and of sophistication is. was that it was somehow posh and yes. far away and pricey. And I think maybe it's exactly the opposite. And I think maybe you're, you're proving that point. I mean, probably one of the happiest times I've had recently. And it's, again, because we all n- now know this, really. It's the small parts, isn't it? There's a, a shop on like, it's kind of Notting Hill Gate. It's called the Supermarket of Dreams. And I wandered in there with my daughter, who had just hilariously shaved off all her hair. She's doing GCSEs and... I think it was just a statement of intent or some <laughs> kind of control over her life. Anyway, we went into this lovely shop and they sell, you know, stuff from all, from around the UK. And we picked up this perfect punnet of raspberries. You've never seen what kind of more supermodel punnet of raspberries in your life. But they were yellow. They were they were kind of golden, and we ate these raspberries. And you know when um, you eat a raspberry, and if it's and if it comes off perfectly in your mouth, it's got like the cone underneath it. And which never happens. We ate the whole punnet and each one came off perfectly in our mouths. And we, then we realised this was a metaphor for Nell's head and hair. The raspberry <laughs> was her hair. We juicily sucked it off and then there was her skin head underneath. So There you go. It was a perfect line. But I'm really ashamed. It's interesting as well. We were talking about sophistication and exoticism. And, and um, we ha- I had the wild... David Attenborough's Wild Isles mm. on the television the other day and it was the orca bit and my daughter was like where are these orcas and I'm like in yes. the UK she's like no they're not yeah. and I was like yes they are you don't have to go to Antarctica or where but it's the idea that we're so conditioned to believe that there is nothing here yes we actually. undervalue yeah. it horribly we undervalue it horribly and it's so great that you are you know shining a light on all these places po- listen po- posh Brits <laughs> posh Brits um, have always known this. They find abroad terribly common. So they love nothing more than going to, a, you know, a kind of windy beach in Scotland and eating a sandy sandwich. I mean, as a child, my aunt, my beloved Aunt Angela, would take me to Frinton in Essex. And we, and I have a, a set of entirely beautiful cousins. And we'd all line up in our toweling shorts and do tennis cap. And I had this extraordinary buck teeth. And so no one wanted to partner with me at all. Was, the whole thing was fucking terrifying. But <laughs> I would, it, in, in my child eyes and in the way I had grown up with my parents, that was not... That, that I just I just was completely flabbergasted by this being an idea as a holiday. I only, me too, I only came to the kind of UK as a thing really late. And I think that was probably up on, I remember going for a walk on the Long Mind in Shropshire. And it's a, part of an old golf course. It was so Wes Anderson, you just couldn't even believe it. And then suddenly we were so, uh, on with these views that you couldn't even possibly imagine and these muddy ponies. And we walked and walked and walked. And then we came down into the town and, and you know, drank cider and ate sort of vinegar crisps. I'll say it like that now too, because you've inspired <laughs> me. And I saw. But did you eat them with an eye mask on? No, I didn't. Damn it. I'm going to go back and do that whole thing again, but with an eye mask. And nothing could have been more delicious. And in fact, recently I did that again with her. We went to Ludlow, which has just so many beautiful things going on. There's a cafe there called the Green Cafe right on the 
on the water's edge with the most delicious food, kind of Asian-y inspired. And we bought some prawns from town and we walked up Clee Hill and we drank cider and ate these prawns and, you know, looked at weather and it was delicious. When I was uh, growing up from the age of about six to about 13, we couldn't go abroad for holidays because my dad was too ill. So I couldn't travel. So all my childhood holidays were spent on a rainy, windy Dorset beach. And it wasn't a sort of picturesque one. It was like shitty seaside town. And when I dream of, uh, literally when I'm asleep and I dream of not being here, I don't dream of the times that I've been in Mallorca or India, all the places I've been lucky enough or now I think foolish enough to you know, extend myself and go to. I dream about that beach and I dream about mm. rusty bicycles and anoraks and chain ferries and mm. winkling and gutting mackerel that yeah. you just caught and sticking them on the barbecue. And, you know, if we allow our, um, you, you know, this country to resonate for us, it will. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny that, well, because that all sounds so, you know, it's so sensory that, Annabelle. It's so, you know, it's visceral, all of those. This will make you laugh. So, again, of course, the seaside towns in the UK are having this unbelievable moment because, you know, if it's Margate, or Deal, or Dungeness, which is just such a wonderful place to, you know, wander around pretending that you're in a band and taking, you know, photos of rubbish and thinking that you can have an exhibition off the back of it. I mean, you cannot buy, uh, uh, you can, uh, in Dungeness, I mean, the, the houses are kind of like little matchbox, they probably cost about three million pounds now. I mean, there's just like a crazy amount going on. So my beloved sister-in-law, who just is the best winkler of wondrous places found these little fishermen's cottages that you can stay in and, and deal and I I just arrived there you know kind of on the, by the white cliffs pebbly beach you know sea coming in I mean I was so overexcited anyway we had a ha happy night that night and the next morning I woke up I was so excited to be there I set off with my dog but I I, I didn't realize I was going to continue on the walk that I fundamentally went on in the end so I was still in my slippers so I started with my slippers and I, I we walked all the way into town and I was like, morning. <laughs> and the, the delicious joggers were like, morning. And then there were people on their bicycle, morning. Everyone had their dogs. And it was so funny and so nice. And then I saw this this guy coming down. I was like, morning. And he kind of leant straight into me and went, fuck off. <laughs> 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 you stupid tourist townie. But it made me so happy with my Chloe fuzzy slippers on so speaking of winkling how are you winkling out these places do you send people do people send places to you are they people how are you how are you discover how are you on this voyage of discovery for us so i have my former continent traveler team who are just the you know the most expert winklers they're like bloodhounds really but let's call them winklers and this is the important part they then tap up locals everywhere from every patch of the country because again that's I don't just want the obvious stuff it has to be the stuff that you only know because you're local you know the little pot you know the potter who's in a secret thing around the back of her or you know what's happening this you know or what little festival or book fair there is this weekend that that the quality of that information is only possible by tapping into that network and that's a question about having, you know, people who have eyes and ears. And I, I listen, I talk about taste, but also I kind of like 
non-taste too. I don't want, you know, like relentless tastefulness. I think there's something inherently a bit off with it. And so it's, again, it's like a kind of re-education of don't, don't just, you know, just don't just give us the pretty digestible stuff. Give us the, the funny, quirky, weird stuff as well. So that's, that's how that works. It's a, it's a joined up network. And also sometimes you find, like I went to meet a guy an amazing guy because he does these beauty products. I'm obviously not wearing them now with my lumpy, bumpy, forehead, problematic forehead. So he, he does this most beautiful skincare stuff, all foraged, local, uh, vegan, done in the most kind of sustainable way possible. It's called Rug, right? R-H-U-G. And so I was kind of, you know, ferreting out about him because um, because I like this, you know, the, the credentials that he had. And one of my one of my missions at Loop was to find <laughs> kept on saying to the designers of the site, you need I need a chicken, like an actual chicken to look sensational on it. That's your challenge, because my mission is to find the chicken who has lived the best possible life here. Right. So it's not, you know, GMO, whatever it is, lots of room to roam, etc. No antibiotics. And I was talking to this man, this lovely man in the Sotheby's Cafe, and I was talking to him about his beauty stuff. And then it turns out that Rug is really fundamentally a, a farm and they uh, they have beef and chickens and i said oh so is your are you the answer to my question <laughs> do you look after you know the world's you know the uk's healthiest chicken he said yes absolutely i'm that purveyor and i i provide lots of the top restaurants in london and then in the and in the middle east and in the far east and if you if you look another one of my favorite bailey and sage she is a very clever woman who does, she gets a lot of her, you know, her produce from the UK and it's an amazing curation. And Rug sells in Bailey and Sage. And if you look at that chicken breast, it is an entirely different construct from what you're finding in any supermarket. And that's when you realize what you should be eating. So th those are the magical people that are here that we just don't even know these hero stories. I like the way that it might be a roadmap for living better when you're at home. Yes, you know, as well. You as... don't. You don't have to move. It's you know. It's got a retail part of it, so you can. A big, you know, the food system bums me out. I'm not as educated as I need to be about it, but I'm trying to educate myself in it because there's a problem when your supermarket shelves are empty and everything costs too much, and yet your strawberries are coming from Kenya and your asparagus is coming from Senegal. It doesn't make any sense. So a part, you know, part of it is trying to make us more self-sufficient and inherently more sustainable. But let's say I do want to move. And let's say, let's do some sort of quick fire questions at her, Emily. Let's say that I want to go somewhere, let's say I want to go somewhere fabulously romantic in the UK. Ooh. And it isn't going yes. to be, you know, Chewton Glen or, you know, Clifton. Um, and I want to, and yes. you know, maybe, and I don't want to spend that money anyway. Where, where are you sending me? Well, I'm going to send you to, although I'm slightly going to send myself first because I fell in love with it <laughs> in a picture. It's called Settle in Norfolk. And there are these beautiful wooden cabins. And sometimes people, there's a lot of cabin action going on. Uh, there are these other guys who are actually Antipodean called, I can't remember, they're called Yoked or Unyoked. 
I would have thought, unyoked. Anyway, they're like these lovely little cabins, which they which are now here in the UK, and they kind of place them in the woods. The settle is not dissimilar. So simple, so beautiful. And so a lot of people who it looks pretty in the pictures and they don't follow through. But settle is apparently amazing. You're going to send me to settle. I'm going to have the night of my life. <laughs> you're going to have the night. But, but you're quite tricky. So I might also send you only because it's interesting that there's a little bit of a kind of French invasion this way around. Because obviously the Brits love going to France on holiday. But there are some interesting French operators who are now working here one of which is do you know the experimental cocktail lot mm-hmm. and they have taken over cowley manor and i think that's opening this summer is that so that'll be interesting yeah i think that's gloucestershire yeah i remember that so they'll do so they'll do a good uh, they'll do a good drink for sure and i'll be interested to see what they do with that property because it's 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 not uncomplicated, but I mean, I, that's a proper, you know, big British country house. Oh, and I tell you what else is opening, although I don't know if you can stay there. You used to be able to stay there. Do you remember Ainho? Mm. That was a big party house with, oh my gosh, run beautifully by James and Sophie Perkins. Who, who They're opening something amazing down at Parnham in Dorset. That's not open yet. But Restoration Hardware from the States are reopening it. And that'll be interesting because mm-hmm. that'll have, you know, beautiful restaurants. So there's lots of kind of what I would call lots of rather high-end activity as well as the cute stuff. There's tons of cute stuff. So now that you've sorted out my love life, I want to go shopping. <laughs> but I don't want to go shopping in like Leeds Royal Exchange or Selfridges. Yes. I want maybe I want a market or maybe I want a market town or maybe I want, yes. you know, at some wonderful little boutiques or hardware stores. Who doesn't love a hardware store? Where am I going for my off-grid shopping? Ah, well, I've spent a lot of time in Hungerford and Wiltshire and it's a beautiful market town. They've, I'm, I'm, I'm mourning slightly that the kitchen shop has closed because it was one of those kitchen shops where every single inch of it was covered in the most extraordinary implements that you never even knew you needed. That obviously I came out with kind of 75 different kinds of kind of egg peelers and, <laughs> and, and it was bliss. It's shut. However, you will find just next to it the world's most amazing bookshop um, you know, with creaky floorboards and the most amazing curation. I'm always in there and always find... And, and in fact, that's the blessed... I can't remember whether I mentioned him already. That's where I picked up this rather kind of low-production value book of walks around that area by the bookshop owner. I think it's called something like Alex Milne White. And it's very, very sweet and very, very charming because the photos are slightly blurry <laughs> and uh, haven't been produced very well. But off you off, off you set on your meander and it says things like, turn left at the stile and turn right at the, in the poppy field. And you go around in a circuit. Oh my God, it's, it's, it's charming beyond words. And further down from there, and this is so funny, but but she you literally cannot get an appointment at Angela Knight. It's a lingerie shop. Oh. I promise you, if you were looking for a kind of bra <laughs> or a pant that needs to support but can't show the bit because the dress is long at the back or you've got a, a dip down the middle of the thing but you still need the support of the guy, Angela has everything and it's beyond. But you can't wander in and it's very unprepossessing. And you have to make an appointment months in advance, and she is a life changer. 
I mean, I wonder what you call it. It's something like a corsetier or something. It's a w- yes, wonderful let's name. Yes, call her that. It's marvellous. Um, but you see, now I'd like to ask you to send Emily somewhere because Emily has a thirst for adventure at the moment, don't yes, you, Em? Yes, I want, I, every time you say walk, I think, oh, yes, that's what I want to do. Yeah. I want to do a big walk or a small walk, actually. Or a climb, you would do. Or a wild swim, you would definitely do. But it needs to, oh. I was about to say, it needs to have water at the end of it, my walk. Or in the middle of it. Oh, yes. I've I even know. bought I'm... one of those wilding suits that I can walk and swim and then put my clothes back on and what, go what is that suit I can't what I can't picture what it I'm it? just it's, picturing Nigella Lawson in the, it's like in a, the black body stocking on the beach no it's not like that it's a bit like it's a it's um it's called wilding with a y the first y and it's oh. basically it's thermally lined inside and it's waterproof outside and you basically and it's got a very low kind of um sort of I'm going to say crotch but crotch but that's not what I mean Ooh, exactly crotch. so that you can slip it on easily after you've been swimming so you basically, I don't know what to say can, about your low crotch. It's just... Well, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, it's easy to slip in and out of. But Emily needs a wild place for her wilding suit, don't yes, you? Well, so I need to be able to walk oh and then gosh. swim. I Listen, I haven't been, so this, I'm, I'm talking through blind ignorance, but I, I, I feel ridiculously foolhardy not to have made it to the five farms in Scotland yet. And, and only because I'm excited by what that, you know, Hauser and Worth basically kind of reset the compass on... It, 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 it's just as a side note, it's quite interesting. This is again a, a, a cautionary tale to us as 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 people, as a culture, as humans. It's like often people who are from not from here, who come from outside here, are the people who go, "Gosh, this is wonderful and amazing," and give it value. So a lot of the people who are doing the really pioneering stuff in the UK are, you know, Paulson, who I think is Danish in Scotland, Hauser and Worth, of course, so, you know, beyond. And they have um, the five farms in Scotland, and then they've just opened. And this is the part that I'm really jubilant to like uh, about is there is a fish fish shop, which is all about celebrating the heritage and traditions of Scottish fishing. And it's that I, I'm sure, honey, you could pick up something. You could pick up your own pint of prawns from there, and have some kind of amble, you know, across the hills. And I'm sure there'll be some kind of lock where you can take a kind of peaty dip. Don't ah. you think? Sounds amazing. And also, and we were talking about this at the dinner party that I tried to... Destroyed. See. Yes, exactly. Thanks, Annabelle. But everybody was talking about trains, sleeper trains, wanting to take, you know, the Caledonia... <gasps> Have you taken the... It, oh, my gosh. My, so, it's my absolute favourite. Because if you take the sleeper train to Scotland... Firstly, someone very glamorous has done the uniforms at whatever station it is in London that you alight... Is it Waterloo? I can't even remember. Anyway, I remember thinking, gosh, he looks like Toad of Toad Hall, Mark, in a kind of three-piece tweed. And you get on, and then you... Uh, I remember the children were crying. They were so upset about it. And then as soon as we got on, they were like, this is the best. And you have those beds that come down like you're in a kind of Agatha Christie. And the sheets, they're like dry. as those, you know, it's like they're, they're those husks <laughs> from Scandinavia that you put butter on. That's what the sheets are like. But there's something incredibly comforting about them. And then you have to take a thing which is kind of coffee or tea or hot chocolate and then off you you clatter off you clatter off and you go and get absolutely howlingly drunk in the bar and then you get into you tuck yourself into the little you know crispy sheets and then when you alight in scotland at dawn oh my gosh you just you're kind of pinged out at some kind of station where there's absolutely no one else pinging out from you and you feel quite quite mad and you have your shortbread and your hot chocolates and then nothing really is more exciting nothing's more thrilling i think this is what we're gonna do 
now I want to go, I want to go and stay somewhere. So I want a sort of restaurant with rooms. I don't want to spend a lot of money, but I want sensational food somewhere beautiful and unexpected. Where am I going to find uh, that? Sorry, we're back to Scotland. So do you know, have you been to Florence Knight at the Sessions, at Sessions Arts Club? I keep no, getting found out by about the name. In Clerkenwell. Yeah, it's so good. So she's fabulous. The most amazing chocolate tart. There's something with eel, which I resisted and then ended up being a sensation. And they have just opened something up in Scotland called Boathouse. It's actually spelt B-O-A-T-H. But it's the same crew. So that'll be amazing. And then you've got the three horseshoes in Backham in Somerset. That's Margot Henderson. Mm. You know, who's beyond delicious so she was Rochelle Cantina in Shoreditch where, which everyone still loves and they're opening in the 17th century coaching in but I, I, is it open? I don't know but keep an eye anyway, out anyway i tell you what else is having a funny moment is, um, is, is wine here in the UK so I think at Tillingham you can now stay which is near Rye which is the most amazing town anyway I did all my Christmas shopping last year in Rye so, yeah, I think they've got now got rooms. Tell him that's a vineyard, is it? Yeah. Oh, very good. Mm. And then lastly, I, if I feel that I live in a cultural twilight, but I'm, I've got no budget or desire to go to, you know, Paris, Rome, Berlin, um, where could I go and see some art, uh, you know, in the car, on a train, on a bike for a weekend? Uh, gosh, well, that's going to be Hauser and Worth, isn't it? But let me think of something. Oh, did you see the David Hartney exhibition? Yes, it was amazing. Oh, just every morning I wake up and I just hear his Yorkshire twang in my voice going, I love spring. It's like champagne has been poured all over the land. Yeah. And the world is having an erection. <laughs> it is so beautiful. <laughs> Go and, and see and that. I still feel like almost like it was sort of stroking you as, as the colours oh, changed. It's joy. It was just so, like... But, you know, those, I'm, yes, you know, obsessed by octogenarians in general. And <laughs> when you when when there's someone who's just like it's so meditative, I mean, I just found it completely uplifting. I, yeah. India and I were sat on the floor and just got washed over by it and, and you know, basically had tears in our eyes. Yeah. I tell you, just from another, uh, I was writing about this this morning, the kind of the kiln curious went crazy in lockdown, didn't they? So there's this massive kind of ceramicist scene. <laughs> and I interviewed this such a delightful girl called Pollyanna Johnson. And she does these beautiful, she was like a proper kind of landscape artist and then just took to painting plates in lockdown. And she does these, you would love, rather kind of pokey, funny, kind of feminist plates. And then she makes funny little cheeky jokes and I think you will love. So there's, basically I think people's creativity is really up on, on the boil and that makes me excited. So does one book through Loop? Is Loop a magazine or...? Yeah, well, in the end, you'll be book everything will be bookable and buyable. So at the moment, it's a newsletter and then we launch properly somewhere down the line. But we just have, I mean, I, I kept on thinking, you know, this is you know bad for me to say this myself, to sell out on this mission. I kept on thinking, but wait a second, aren't we going to get to like the maximum? And is there not going to be like this? There's going to be like no nothing more to talk of. And we can't move for the depth of stuff here. And it's just such a lesson that if you do something, if you do the deep dive and you start kind of luxuriating in that. So we have like, I think seven, we know we'll have 750, this isn't beta, we'll have 750 places to stay and like a thousand addresses of things to 
do and eat and forage and learn and shop and etc so it's 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 invigorating what's so heartening about this is that we are all at the moment you know for for, for good reason you know the narrative is that this country is an absolute disaster and you know, there is nothing to look forward to yeah and it's very nice to know that the country is also on another level trying to look after itself and trying to grow yeah, I agree. It's, it, uh, my 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 lovely chairman said to me, but Melinda, just you know, tell me what does loop feel like? And I said hope, uh, because if you it, you're ex- exactly right, Annabelle. If you listen to the news, we're all just hideous amoebas intent on destroying ourselves. Um, but actually, I think the opposite is true. I think there are extraordinary people doing the most sensitive and wonderful and lovely things. And Loop is just about raising everyone's awareness of that so we can feel proud and excited and that there is much to live for. Well, you know, listeners, if you're like me and you actually can't face booking flights for summer, I can't. I'm putting it off for weeks. I can't face it. I can't face the the money I can't face the hassle I can't face anything then have a look at loop and maybe we'll stick around here and and see what um, see what's on our doorstep and Melinda thank you so much for coming and talking to us I mean what a joy what a joy oh my god it's made me literally just want to kind of try delicious things eat delicious explore just really get my senses mm. sort of like stimulated again as opposed to just sort of handing that over to, to someone else yeah, yeah yeah I agree take back take back take- you put the power in your own hands yeah. but, but, um, before the summer is out ladies get down to Cornwall and have a portilly oyster fresh from the sea and that will um, that will make you happy that will change everything yes that will fill your heart <laughs> cup <laughs> see you soon thank Bye. you so much so much love you've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Middle. our book I'm Absolutely Fine is out now if you like what you hear please rate, review and subscribe Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.